Hey, Emily. Rude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. This is take number two. Yeah, I wasn't plugged in because someone unplugged me yeah. and then forgot to plug me back in. Uh-huh. I'm a bad lady. I'm a naughty one. Oh. And now we're both very high. Yeah, Emily was <laughs> Emily was very low and I was very high and I couldn't figure out why. And then I figured it out because I'm an idiot. <laughs> It's the answer to most things. <laughs> uh, well, we've addressed it somewhat already in our what will now be private conversation that occurred when we tried to start the podcast. Where we yelled at your husband. <laughs> Where I yelled at my husband about um, how he was ugly and full of farts uh, to see if he could uh, hear us. And but, uh, she asked me if I was horny. I did. And I was confused. Um, but you didn't really answer the question, so... I just feel like this is a weird segue. Into what? I don't know. Are we selling uh uh-oh feeling sex toys? Like, what? Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so (laughs) now, all right, I'm definitely thinking of, like, you know, like, the vibrators that are called rabbits? Uh, uh We have one, except it's a chicken, and its name is Crunchy Toes, the horny chicken (laughs) vibrator. No, but it's good. All right. So what have you done? <laughs> how, was your, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, you don't get to. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> also, we had tandem Thanksgivings. We so did. You yeah. already know. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> yes, Emily and I participated in the same Friendsgiving in which Emily brought 80 pies, Look. 150 mini tarts. Look. They were amazing. I know there were only six of us. <laughs> seriously seriously there was no way we were eating all that but it was great and we tried yeah you guys actually ate almost all of the mini tarts yes um it helped that some people showed up a little later yeah who were maybe not as stuffed full as we were which yeah. is good yeah um <laughs> yeah that was very enjoyable mm-hmm. it was a great time i liked your potatoes oh thank you so much i w- <laughs> i uh i just made mashed potatoes it really wasn't anything they but, were good uh, though they're fun. Mm-hmm. I uh, I eat mashed potatoes like uh, at least once a week. So yep. <laughs> they had that good good savory ice cream in it. Mm, exactly. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. always put sour cream because why the fuck wouldn't you put sour cream in your shit? Mm-hmm. 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 So we had a great Thanksgiving. We hope that you all had a great Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, also. Yeah. Podcast stickers went out for Patreon. Yes. This Sunday, we there. got together. In the mail. We fucking killed it. I put two stamps on each of them because I didn't know. That's smart. That's so smart. But yeah, so our patrons so far are going to be receiving their stickers. As well as a, a handwritten note. Yes. Mostly by Emily, interrupted by me. I have nicer handwriting. So much nice. You'll be able to tell if you're a patron. You'll know exactly who wrote most of it. <laughs> But yeah, uh, if you want to be a patron and you want to receive handwritten letters from a couple of weirdos uh, with some stickers in them that say, "Uh uh-oh, feeling under super cute. Also, sentient tornado stickers if you look at our Facebook. Yes, that's our cover. It's the cover photo. Yes. I don't know what's happening now. (laughs) It's a cover photo. It's a cover photo. We've got that transatlantic thing going on. Ah. (laughs) Nobody talks like this anymore. It's a shame. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, if you want to be uh, a patron, we would love and appreciate you forever. Uh, oh my God, I just burped. <laughs> just burped while trying to talk about Patreon. You can you can start as low as a dollar a goddamn month. Yeah. Just to just so that we say your name on the podcast. Yeah. Which speaking of which, I think we should give Ashley Black yet another shout out. Probably. Which we neglected Seems to, to be do about last that time. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because how amazing is she? Very. Incredible. Like, overwhelmingly amazing literally perfect also everyone else of our patrons thank you yes you're all amazing but ashley like upped her donation yeah uh by a bunch <laughs> so <laughs> so she is definitely um definitely like going down in the hall of fame of people we love forever yes. alongside like many of our favorite survivors i think yeah <laughs> so there you go ashley thank you so much all right so we did it again we flip-flopped flip-flop top up oh we uh, okay um <laughs> before we get too far into that what are you drinking emily i walked into festival and i was like i want something nice so <laughs> what <laughs> you don't want to drink shit no <laughs> but i've never had this before so i didn't know if it was gonna suck so this could have been shit yeah but i got the red bobber raspberry ale Mm. It's from the Fox River Brewing Company, which is in Wisconsin. Of course it is. Why would you get beer from anywhere outside of here? It's true. <laughs> so it's very cool. It looks like Natasha's on the bottle. Oh, it's from true. Marvel, but yeah, it definitely looks like a, a Black Widow type. Yeah, of thing. but like comic Black Widow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is it good? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I. In keeping with our contrasts, you know, we're, we're no longer doing the same type of story for the last couple of episodes. I'm no longer drinking the same type of thing. I'm drinking hams. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why we drink hams in this household, Emily? Because it's... Because it's a dollar! <laughs> <laughs> if my husband could hear us right now, he would have shouted that as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Jake's catchphrase. It's, it's a, a dollar! dollar. <laughs> And actually, a 30 rack of these motherfuckers is like 11 bucks. So if you buy Jesus. them at the store, it's less than a dollar. Wow. It's, it's way less like than a dollar. A third of a dollar. <laughs> so in some circles, that's 33 cents. In some, yeah. If you believe in like math or whatever. I don't. Oh. I super don't. That makes sense. <laughs> so yeah, um, once I finish this hams, I plan to try one of the raspberry ales, but for mm-hmm. now, I'm sucking down. Just maybe the worst of the light beers. That's not I've true. I've never had a hams. Oh my god! Please try this for oh me. Oh god! Please. Oh I mean, it's god! A, it's a. It, you know what it is? It's a I fucking shitty light beer. Yep, that sure is a really shitty light beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not good. I'm so glad that we established. <laughs> oh. So, um, <clears throat> we, I believe you're going first. I am. And uh, just remind me one more time, scale of one to ten, how horny are you? For this story specifically. That is going to be so inappropriate. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I almost fell out of my fucking chair. Although, indirectly, I'm a little, a little horny for it. Oh. Wait. And I'll get to that. But, oh. like, overall. Okay. No. Highly inappropriate. How dare you, Taylor? Oh. Okay, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm suddenly just so stoked. Okay, all right, let's do this. Let's so, fucking do this. Today, on Emily takes on something huge and way too big to 
really managed to do in a timely fashion. You mean like every fourth episode of this podcast? Yeah. Love it. We're going to talk about World War One. Oh, shit. All of it. Well, not all of it. <laughs> not not all of it. I feel like that's just going to be like a building series. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? We really should just do longer. Like for this entire next six episodes, Emily's just going to teach everyone about World War One through Survivor Story. <laughs> we are getting close to episode 69. So we really fucking are. We really God, are. How horny are we going to be for that one? Okay. What is with <laughs> you and the horny today? I think it's that I'm getting really excited that we're like nine episodes from 69. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And we have to we have to find some Randy shit. Yeah. We have to. It's got to be gross. It's going to be the worst episode we've ever done. And like let's not make it like it can't be like there's no no rapes. No. 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 It's not going to be like it's got to be no Randy necrophilia. In a fun way. Yes, no necrophilia. <laughs> Guys. Randy in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to do that for you guys. Stick around. <laughs> Oh. This is episode 60. You only have 18 weeks to go. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta buy weekly podcast sucks. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about all of World War One. Okay, fine. Just two <laughs> small parts. Ooh, okay. Small. She's literally looking upward <laughs> trying to justify in her <laughs> own mind what she has done. <laughs> So, I was able to actually find a surprising number of survival stories from World War One. Fuck yeah. Which I wasn't expecting, given the casualties suffered in that war and the literal trauma from it. In the, yeah, like the generation being one that doesn't talk about shit so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't expecting to find anything, but here we are. Fuck yeah. So, the most general overview I can give for World War One, in case, you know... You don't have any idea? You don't? Someone shot Franz Ferdinand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, World War I began in 1914 after the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. The Fuck end. Yeah. The <laughs> end. It was cray-cray. <laughs> it was cray-cray. So we had the central powers for World War I. Mm-hmm. Germany, Austria-Hungary, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire. Oh my... And then for the Allied powers, we had Great Britain, France, Russia, Italy, Romania, Japan, and the U.S. Okay. Okay. Nobody knows the, everyone knows like the Axis powers versus like the Allies. Mm-hmm. Like no one knows World War One at all. <clears throat> no. Like- <laughs> no, that's why I listed them off because. That's very smart. <laughs> two of those changed sides for World War Two. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> Big fucking time. So, thanks to new military technologies and the literal horrors of trench warfare, oh, World God. War One saw crazy amounts of carnage and destruction. All on, the, on a scale we've never seen <clears throat> as a human species. Yes. The total number of military and civilian casualties in World War One were about 40 million. That is so fucking many people. Yeah. Yeah. So... One of the pieces of World War I we're going to talk about is the very bad, not good, failed Gallipoli campaign. Okay. I feel like I've heard the word Gallipoli. Probably. But I don't remember why. <laughs> like yeah. most things you learn in school. Yeah. 
Especially with the world wars. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, like, oh, the battle of this, the battle of that, the campaign of this, the campaign of that. It's like, I am not a military strategist. Thank you. (laughs) Got no clue what (laughs) happened there. Nope. Um, So World War I at this point had effectively settled into a stalemate in Europe. And the Allies were trying to score a victory against the Ottoman Empire. They were like, fuck you, not Turkey. (laughs) How dare you not be Turkey yet? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) So, on April 25th of 1915, the Allies began the Gallipoli landings, which would go down in history as one of the most disastrous operations ever undertaken. Oh my god, okay. Think opposite of D-Day. Yeah. (laughs) So, over the next eight months, there would be nearly 500,000 casualties on both sides. Holy shit. With disproportionate numbers coming from the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Oh, no, babies. Yeah. So that wasn't good. They're like, we didn't even want to be here. We're an ocean away from all of you. Yeah. Fuck this. So after a failed attack on the Dardanelles, which is the strait linking the Sea of Marmara with the Aegean Sea. Okay. Allied forces led by Britain launched a large scale land invasion of the Gallipoli Peninsula And then in January of 1916, they staged a full fucking retreat. Okay, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Fun fact. Your facts are never fun. Fun fact. No. (laughs) (laughs) Winston Churchill was, at that time, the first lord of the British Admiralty. Oh. Resigned his command after the failed Gallipoli campaign in 1916. Oh, damn. And accepted a commission with an infantry battalion in France. I didn't know that. Yeah. That he had such a massive failure. Done did fuck up. Wow. So, our survivors. I have more than one. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Mm. Jack Hazlitt was among the Australian troops who were part of the ill-fated campaign. He had lied about his age in order to be able to enlist. Oh. And he became a message runner. That sounds incredibly dangerous. It is. He was um, tasked with crossing the trenches in full view of enemy snipers. And diggers, as the soldiers of Gallipoli were known, came to embody a sense of national pride and camaraderie um, for men whom, quote, freedom... Comradeship, tolerance, and innate worth count for more than all the kingdoms of the world. Okay. So, big bonds. Here's the thing, though. The runners. Uh-huh. Average life expect- expectancy at Gallipoli was 24 hours. Oh, my God. You needed a new runner every day. Every day. They were just getting shot. Mm-hmm. Of course they were. They're, are they armed? Are they just literally, like, they're taking just, off running? They're delivering messages. Oh, my God. Hazlitt survived for five months whoa that's crazy and survived world war one right oh my and God. passed away in 1993 at the age of 96 damn buddy dude yeah good for him yeah i couldn't find a lot about jack but unfortunately. that's still really fucking cool he must have been amazing at yeah. his job yeah corporal rex boyden was a sydney native who was ordered to participate in an assault on Hill 60. He and his unit had only covered about 250 yards of ground when they were ordered to fall back. Suddenly, Boyden felt a thud on the left side of his stomach, and he crumpled to the ground 
and he was stuck between the Allies and the Turks. Oh, shit. Boyden later recalled, quote, any minute I expected the Turks to rush over, rush over me in a counter charge on our men. But fortunately, they were not game enough. Well, <laughs> I lay there from Sunday morning about seven o'clock until five o'clock Tuesday morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, yeah. Was he shot? Yeah. So, like, that's the thud he He's, feels. Yeah, he was shot. He falls in between the two armies. And, like, they just As don't... they're still fighting. Right. And they d- neither one pursues the other. Right. So he just keeps laying So he's there. just there. Oh, my God. So shooting from both sides continued, but Boyden was protected from stray bullets by the corpses that surrounded him. On Tuesday, his mates finally got to him and he was able to recover. So they knew he was there. They knew he was there. They like, just, they couldn't. Damn, we got to come back for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck. God, ah. Oh. Yeah, somebody wakes up at 2 a.m. in a cold sweat like, oh, we forgot him. Oh, Boyden. <laughs> <laughs> I saved the last one for last. That's really... <laughs> Did you? Emily. It sounded better in my say. head. <laughs> I meant to say I saved this one for last, but then sure. the last one came out and I'm like, I don't. I love how you're not willing to say it's the best one. <laughs> it's the craziest one. Good, that, that sounds like it's the best to me. Albert Jacka was from Wedderburn, Australia. Okay. On May 19th, 1915, the Turks launched an assault against the Anzac Line, which was the Australians and New Zealanders, uh-huh. and captured a section of the trenches at Courtney's Post, one of which was guarded by Jacka. Um, for several minutes, he fired warning shots into the trench wall until reinforcements arrived, after which he attempted to enter the trench with three others, but everybody else except for him was either wounded or pinned down. Oh, Jesus. So he then got out, went around, and attacked from the rear. Yeah, he did. Sorry. So so the party then proceeded to engage the Turks with rifle fire, they threw two bombs in as Jacka skirted around to attack from the flank. Oh, shit. Okay. He climbed out onto no man's land, which was like the area in between. Yeah. You're not supposed the to two go trenches. there. You will die. Yeah, you will die. And he climbed up via a parapet. Okay. Just like a ladder they can see out of. They oh, can legit. climb into it and see. I know that word because of Hamilton. Isn't yes. that weird? Yeah. <laughs> So in the resulting conflict, conflict, what the fuck? Conflict. So in the resulting conflict, Mm -hmm. Jack shot five Turkish shooters. I was trying to be nice about it. It wasn't working. I hated you. He shot five Turks. He he shot five Turks. God damn it. Bayoneted two others and forced the remainder of the Turks to flee. Oh, shit. He so then he just came in there like Rambo. He came in like a fucking wrecking ball. <laughs> he then held the trench alone for the remainder of the night. Wow. Nobody else came for him? They were just no. like, yeah, probs not. No man's land. Yeah, that's fair. Wow, so, I can't believe he did that. I wonder how big the no man's land was between the trenches. It was small. Sure. I think it was a smaller area. Sure. So he was nominated for a Victoria Cross. Because remember, Australia still belongs to Britain at right. this time. Right, 
And it was actually written up in the newspaper. So I have the newspaper oh. article. War Office, 24th July, 1915. His Majesty the King has been graciously pleased to award the Victoria Cross to the undermentioned officers and non-commissioned officers. Number 465, Lance Corporal Albert Chaka, 14th Battalion, Australian Imperial Forces. For most conspicuous bravery on the night of 19th to the 20th of May, 1915, at Courtney's Post. And then they talk about, like, what he did, and it was in the paper, and everyone was like, ah! Yeah, local boy done good. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, that was very dramatic, and I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> he also received 500 pounds. Just cut, Just because? Because of his bravery cool so when you get the award they're also like here's, here's money. some money rad he also got a gold watch that a prominent melbourne business and sporting identity i don't know what the fuck that means yeah, what does that mean <laughs> someone famous in the 1915s sure john wren had promised it to the first australian of the war to receive the victoria cross wow okay so Jacka's image was then used on recruiting posters and magazine co- covers. Sure. So he basically became an Australian Captain America. Yeah. Captain Australia. Captain Australia. Or- so he received a shit ton of promotions, like, very quickly. Mm. So he went to corporal and then to sergeant two weeks after he became a corporal. And then to company sergeant major, Jesus. like a month later. Whoa, <laughs> why couldn't they just promote him all the way up the line like they wanted to in the first place? I know, I know. Just There must be protocols. You know, whatever. He participated in the Hill 60 fight. I'm not going to talk about it. And it's been, I have enough to cover. I, we'll circle back to it. I completely it. believe it. <laughs> and then he was evacuated when the Allied forces began to pull out and withdrew to Egypt. In mm. Egypt, he went through officer training school passed with high marks, and then was commissioned as a second lieutenant. Hell yeah. Um, Then the army went through some restructuring, and suddenly he was, like, leading a division. Damn. And his division was then sent to France, to the Western Front. All quiet there. JK. The book was also a lie. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird how that works. Yeah. So, Jacka and his unit were assigned to the Allied trenches near Armentieres and participated in several raids against the German trenches. Mm. Following the heavy casualties on the Somme, which I will talk about, Mm the 14th Battalion, his battalion, was then transferred to the Pozieres section of the Somme Offensive. Okay. See, like, now we're getting into things that I can actually pronounce because I don't really speak Italian. Right. But, like... French. You got that it's French, fine. though. Yes. So, Chaka's division was involved in the attack on Pozier's planned by Major General Harold Bri- Bridgewood Walker. Ooh. Ooh. It didn't go great. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Uh-oh. laughs> but they were able to capture Pozier's. That's good. The fight was so bloody that Australians could only identify their trenches by the bodies of the comrades showing their red and white shoulder patches. Oh, damn. Yeah. That is horrible. Side note about the Somme. They are, they're just short for sommeliers. They're really good at wine. Sure. But also, (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a battle in World War One. Oh, battle that, of the Somme. Was there wine there? There was not. Fuck, that's not fun. It was one of the largest battles in World War One, and oh. among the bloodiest in all of human history. Oh, it was a very compact battlefield, and the British leaders failed a whole bunch oh. and made some very bad decisions. Oh no. That just kind of led to the slaughter of wave after wave I after can't wave of imagine people. Imagine they're all just like in this tightly packed space, just getting fucking gunned down. Yep. On the first day alone, the British endured more than 57,000 casualties. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Think of that in today's numbers. Like I know. It's insane. It's way, way more than the number of soldiers who have died in the Iraq war over the course of over a decade. Mm-hmm. And like, that, like in like how many days? I'm sorry. First day, the one day, first, one day, one day. Fifty-seven thousand people. By the 141-day battles end, Allies and Central Powers would suffer more than a million casualties combined. Christ. So the campaign was staged along an 18-mile stretch of around the Somme River in France. And it was a joint French and British offensive to expel German forces. So it was also, they were trying to relieve some of the pressure from the Germans. Okay. It, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know things didn't go well for Germany. Yeah. So we thought <laughs> Gallipoli was bad. Oh, we did. We did already think that. Chaka got through that. So you think smooth sailing, maybe. I mean, I know, but also you hope. On the morning of August 7th, 1916, Uh-oh. after a night of heavy shelling, mm-hmm. which shell shock, guys. That's where that comes That's from. That's where that comes from, it's even from though it's const- really PTSD. Right. <laughs> it's from the constant shell. We thought you could only get PTSD back then from being shelled yep. for many days at yep. a time. Uh, the Germans began to overrun a portion of the line which included Jacka's dugout. Mm. Um, Jacka had just completed a reconnaissance and had gone to his dugout when two Germans appeared at its entrance and rolled a bomb down the doorway. Oh, killing no. Killing two of his men. Oh, shit. Emerging from the duckout. Duckout? What the fuck is wrong with me today? It's Jacka's dugout. Yeah. It's a, it's a jackout. It's a, whoa. It's a dugout. Nope. nope. Emerging <laughs> from the dugout... Jacka came upon a large number of Germans rounding up some 40 Australians as prisoners. Only seven men from his platoon had recovered from the blast. Rallying these few, he charged at the enemy. Oh, damn. Heavy hand-to-hand fighting ensued as the Australian prisoners then turned on their capsters, now inspired by Jacka's actions. Oh, wow. So, man, you can just be a badass for three seconds and turn the whole thing around. Yeah. That's great. Every member of the platoon was wounded including Jacka, who was wounded seven times, including an injury from a bullet that had passed through his body under his right shoulder and two head wounds. Holy shit. 50 Germans were captured and the line was retaken. Jacka was personally credited with killing between 12 and 20 Germans during the engagement. Oh my God. This is some brave heart shit. It's yeah. like, it's like you and a small group just run screaming and right. you're getting shot and you just keep going and yeah. you're killing people on the way. And I, at this point, like I'd made the Captain America joke and then I was like, Oh fuck. He's literally, wait, he's literally like 
is he an inspiration for Captain America? How? Yeah, I mean. And then sounds... I did a lot of hunting. Oh, shit. I couldn't find anything. Oh, that's too bad. But it's also like Captain America was created in like the 40s and, you know, they don't own up to having an unoriginal idea. Yeah, it's true. He, Yeah, he's more of a World War II-ish thing. But I mean, you know, war heroes, he's based off of all war heroes, you have to imagine, you know. It's just, you he's know. tactically incredible. He, you know. Here's the thing. So Chaka became a legend in Australia, uh-huh. earning the nickname Hard Chaka. And his... <laughs> You know, wait, 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 wait. When I was like wait, writing that out, wait. it didn't click. <laughs> his, his, and then name. I said it out loud. Just now, you mean? Yeah, just uh-huh. now. His name is Hard Jacka. Uh-huh. Which, honestly, if you say that with an Australian accent, is even better. Hard Jacka. Uh huh. And <laughs> his battalion became known as Jacka's Mob. Yeah. Which, again, guys, come on. Captain America, the Howling Commandos. Oh yeah, Jacka's oh, yeah. mob. Absolutely. Also, at one point, they thought Jacka was dead, and he came back. What? So like Come under the ice? Just, after like yeah, you know, seventy-five years. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Come on, just just fucking know. say it. It's cool. Say it, Marvel. It's fine. Say it. Just say just it. Say it. Oh my god, <laughs> they couldn't admit to it because his name was Hard Jacka. <laughs> I'm so fucking happy. Oh my God. So (laughs) he was awarded the military cross for his actions at Posiers. Oh, good. Although he was originally recommended for the distinguished service order, but no, it didn't. It didn't happen. Oh, what what the fuck does a guy have to do? He got wounded seven times. Yeah. But also like their justification was, being overtaken by the Germans never should have happened in the first place. Okay. So, like, that was his fuck-up as a leader, <sighs> is leaving the vulnerability for his trench well, to be right. mm, overtaken. Right. I guess. But, like, I mean, my God, shit happens, and he turned it around. Yep. Also, he was viewed as a, quote, rough colonial. What the fuck? By the British snobs. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Aust- Australia was never going to be good enough. No. For the Britons. We like we literally sent the people we didn't want anymore over there. Mm-hmm. Generations later, we still don't want your asses. Yeah. They said that the Germans, although, by the way, they, the Germans invaded in broad daylight. Smart. So... They said the sentries were most likely either asleep or absent, not expecting an attack in the middle of the goddamn day. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. People are like eating and napping. Yeah. And then, ah! (laughs) Oh, shit. All right, Germans. after the incident, you know, where he got wounded seven times. The the incident. He was evacuated. Yes, he was evacuated to England. Okay. Where he was promoted again. Nice. To lieutenant. What is this guy? Just just make him a general already. <laughs> on August 18th, 1916. And then he was falsely reported dead on September 8th. What? Mm-hmm. And then he attended an investiture ceremony at Windsor Castle on September 29th. And people were like, oh, oh shit. Oh, shit. You're alive. Yeah. Wow. He really did come back he from really the dead. He really did fucking come back from the dead. <laughs> And he received his Victoria Cross from King George V. 
Nice. And then went back to join his unit again. <laughs> Peace. I have more badassery to do. He was then promoted to captain. Nice. <clears throat> wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he's mm-hmm. now he's, he's literally he's captain a captain. Jacka. He's Captain Jacka now. Yep. Ca- captain Hard Captain Jacka. Hard Jacka. Oh shit. Jacka's mob. Mm-hmm. Jack Jacka's hard mob. Mm-hmm. His mob just hard, okay. hard jacking right. okay. <laughs> I'm not over it. I won't so, ever be. <laughs> his amazingness is not done. Oh, good. He literally defies death again in 1917 by leading a night reconnaissance party into no man's land. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. To inspect enemy defenses before an allied attack against the new German line. So, he managed to penetrate the wire that the Germans had set up in two places, and then reported back, and then went out again into no man's land to supervise the laying of tapes to guide the assault parties. And in the process, he single-handedly captured a two-man German patrol. Oh my god. One one sec, I'm going to yell at my cat. Hey, you're being fucking weird, <laughs> and I can hear your fucking jingles, and you're bothering your sister. <laughs> Could you just, like, chill for a hot minute? So, because of his capturing the two-man German patrol, he was awarded a bar to his military cross. So, like, you okay. know all, like, the stuff they have on their chest? Yeah. Like, if you get an award, they can then add to it. Right. So people sometimes have multiple bars above. Yes. That's legit. So he was then given command of D Company. It was hard, Jack, as D Company. No. No, Emily. Yes. Emily, this has to say too much. (laughs) I told you, this one's the craziest. Hard, Jack, as D Company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, episode title. (laughs) So in June... Of, I think, yeah, 1917. He led his men through the battle uh, for, oh God, Messina's Ridge. Sure. I believe you. <laughs> so I'm not going to fucking look. <laughs> they were overrun by several machine gun posts. And they did manage to um, capture a German field gun. And okay. they took down those machine gun posts. Nice. But his actions went unrecognized. They were like, you don't have like, you know what you've done? Yeah. Enough. Right. My dude, you have a death wish. Stop. Yeah. You don't have any more room on your chest for any more fucking metals. So he didn't stop, though. Oh, on July 8th, he was wounded by a sniper. Which resulted in nearly two months of hospitalization. Shit. Once he was out of the hospital. They were probably he like, went, go home, Jacka. And he's like, no. <laughs> and he went back. He is addicted to the war and being a huge goddamn badass. Yep. And he was finally recommended for the Distinguished Service Order. Nice. But again, it was not granted. What the fuck ever? Who did get this thing? There were like two people that got a Distinguished Service two? Award. Two? Two. Damn. They must have done some shit. So... He finally, finally was done with the war. Really? 
when he was badly gassed. Oh, God. And a literal missile passed through his trachea. What? Passed through his trachea? Through his trachea. How do you live through that? They didn't think he was going to. But he did. Can you even speak after that? (laughs) What the fuck? So after that, they're like, nope, you're done. Uh Uh-huh. We can't do this. You should have been done, Zoe, a long time ago, my friend. You're a literal hero. We can't kill you. Right? You are unkillable, but also please don't die. But also let's not test that. Yeah. You're like a recruitment tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, You're going to be the parade marshal at all of our parades forever. So we need you to be able to like sit up. Yeah, at least sit up and wave. Yeah. So he returned to Melbourne to a hero's welcome. Nice. In 1920. And for anyone who's playing along at home, World War One ended in 1918. So he did like... so fucking fight through the war what was he doing for two years (laughs) oh no i'm sorry he came back in 1919 okay still he must have spent months recovering where he was yeah like he finally stopped fighting in may of 1918 so like right before the war ended yeah they were like see they ended it because they probably negotiated and they were like hey jacka is not gonna stop he didn't die (laughs) you guys he's alive he's talking about getting back out there we have to end this now (laughs) so yeah, he came back to Australia and had a job waiting with him for him with the forest department. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And he ended up establishing the electrical goods importing and exporting business in Roxburgh, Jacka and Co. God, I bet he was so bored. <laughs> and the business was heavily financed by the guy that gave him that gold watch. Nice. He's like, we're best friends now. But then the Great Depression happened. Oh, no. (laughs) Poo. Don't do this to Jacka. Yeah. He did get married to a typist from his office. Cute. Francis Verona, Veronica Carey. Mm, Back when every other woman was named Francis. Yep. And they settled in St. Kilda and later adopted a daughter, Betty. Oh, they adopted? Yeah. That's sweet. I don't, I'm guessing he probably couldn't have kids. He was he went heavily gassed and a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Um, so he ended up becoming the mayor of St. Kilda oh, after sitting yeah. on the council. <laughs> Hard jacka for mayor. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very much for the people. He was defending evictees and employees and worked on public works by the government as a relief measure for everything happening. Nice. Yeah. He was Ex- he was a tiny little FDR. He was. <laughs> That's awesome. Except something finally got him. Uh, well, I mean, we all die someday. Unfortunately. Yeah. December 14th, 1931, Jacka collapsed after a council meeting oh. and was admitted to Caulfield Military Hospital. One week after his 39th birthday, oh. he passed away from cr- chronic nephritis. And was buried at St. Kilda Cemetery with eight other Victoria Cross recipients acting as pallbearers and an estimated 6,000 witnesses to the burial of his body. Damn. Wow. Yeah. He wasn't even 40. 
I know. That's sad. And he did so much. I'm sure, you know, his body went through so much. Yeah. And he was still a hero, like, yeah. 20 years later. Yep. 10 years later. Yeah. So his Victoria Cross, um, I believe, is still on display at the Australian War Memorial in Canberra. Hmm. And a commemorative service is held on the Sunday closest to the anniversary of his death every year. That's so nice. Originally organized by former members of the 14th Battalion, which was his battalion. Until I'm sure there were no longer any members of that battalion left. (laughs) It was a long time ago. And the regimental color of the 14th Battalion is laid up in St. Kilda Town Hall. Aww. Yeah. Wow, he must be one of their biggest war heroes. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he did so fucking much. Holy shit, a lot. Yeah, I started, like, reading about him, like, oh, that's cool. You know, he, like, dove in and just beat the shit out of people and then scared them so badly they ran. Right. And then I, he just kept going, and I'm like, what the fuck? Every battle that guy's in, he's like, I got the, this. I'm the best guy here. Let me show you. Hold on, I got this. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. Hold my beer. The hard Jack is motto. I don't want to be disrespectful because he's very cool. That's a hilarious name, though. Yeah. Shows what an innocent time that was. Yeah. That we would just call people hard Jacka and no one would giggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That was that. I love him. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Yeah. Way to go, dude. And those other two. Yeah. Who also totally owned it. Yeah. Still can't believe that dude lived like so, like Until five 96. months. Till 96. Five months through the war uh-huh. as a runner. As a runner. And that's crazy. Just that's dodging those bullets. Woof. Yeah, I am. Um, like a ninja. You would have to be a fucking ninja. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be like moving in the shadows. Yeah. Never seen. Never panicking for a second. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, there was an, I think there's a History Channel interview with him. But, like, you have to pay to watch it. So oh, I couldn't watch it. Fucking History Channel. I know. If it's not about aliens, you gotta pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and if it is about aliens, nobody fucking asked for it. <laughs> so because we're flippy-floppy, as we've done for the last two episodes, it was an accident, and now it's semi-on-purpose, I have a true crime story for you. Sweet. <laughs> All right. You ready, ho? Whoa. Yo. Whoa. Yo. Joe. Bro. Slow. Slow. Co? Crow? Doe? A deer? Flow? A female deer? Ray? <laughs> I can't. We can't do this. We can't. We can't. We're adding unnecessary time to the podcast. Oh, God. I'm, I'm rolling away. <laughs> By a lot. People oh, no. are. Oh, you're rolling away. Literally. You're rolling away like all our listeners did during that fucking <laughs> really shitty. Wow. All right. All right. They've been with us this long. <laughs> You're right. You don't give them enough credit. Ashley Black's just going to be like, you know what? I have to lower my Patreon contribution. <laughs> it was the doe. We can't. It was the fucking doe a deer thing. I can't. Mm. All right. So I do want to give big props right away to the place where I first heard this story, which was an episode of Criminal. <gasps> I love Criminal. Criminal's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Host Phoebe Judge. Mm-hmm. I'm Phoebe Judge. I'm Phoebe Judge. And this, and this is criminal. criminal. It's awesome. Wow. It's a great podcast. I hey, do want I think we listen to too many podcasts. Uh, maybe just a little bit. Um also I, you know, Karen Kilgariff on My Favorite Murder talks about criminal a lot. I've been listening to criminal since before My Favorite Murder. Just saying, 
I'm like, I didn't just, I don't just find everything because of my favorite murder. Okay, hipster. <laughs> right, exactly. I knew her before. Like, she was really famous. So, and actually, this episode of Criminal was sort of like a, in conjunction with the ESPN podcast, 30 for 30. What? Yes, because the body of the Criminal episode was actually produced by 30 for 30, with Phoebe Judge just on either end. So it's kind of like they were like, would you like us to also put out this episode? But it was a cool app. I was really into it. I promise it's not crazy sports heavy, although I am going to talk a little sports here at the top. But like, what sports? I'll, I'll get fucking into it. It's, it's maybe the sixth word in this sentence. God damn it. That's too <laughs> far away. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. Be patient for me, darling. <laughs> it's not my strong suit. <laughs> so... Carrie Swenson was a world-class biathlon skier. Oh, I know nothing about skiing. <laughs> uh, um, I didn't know much about biathlon, so there is a little bit of an explanation. And now I swear to God, because of this story, I'm watching biathlon. Like, I'm watching it okay. in the Olympics from now okay. on. It seems fun. So I come from a family of skiers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And this is the co- cross-country kind. Oh, I'll no, get to it. I hate cross-country. Same. Um, so... Carrie Swenson was a world-class biathlon skier, and according to reports after what happened to her, one of the foremost female athletes in the United States at the time. My this, brain is already, like, trying to figure out what the fuck happened. We'll tell you. I don't know who's we in this situation, but you me and some something living inside my brain, apparently. Whoa. Um, this is 1984 when no one in the U.S. gave a shit about women's biathlon. Like, we yes. barely cared about biathlon. Mm-hmm. We super didn't care about women's biathlon. Yeah. Or women. Anyways. So this, or women <laughs> in general, like, always, forever. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, biathlon is the sport which combines cross-country skiing and rifle shooting. It's oh, crazy. Oh, wait. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. What? Yeah, you... Have you literally just never even stumbled upon this? No. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Okay. I only watch the figure skating. Fair. I only try and to sometimes watch... sometimes the toboggans. Yes! Oh, uh, the fun. fucking luge and shit. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. Skeleton, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's a sport. It really is. I swear to god. Uh, I mean... Okay, so, apparently it's a Scandinavian thing, and it comes from possibly their idea of the Norse god Ullr... U-L-L-R. Uller. 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 That's hot. I'm a little horny. <laughs> oh, I didn't give you my rating. Um, oh, I'm about yeah. a six out of ten. Um, a horniness scale uh, for my own story and the podcast in general. Thank you. So are we just doing a horny scale now? Yeah. That I feels think, inappropriate. I might, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's not horniness for what happens to these people. I do need to be clear. It's horniness for... I don't really know. I'm just, you know, general, general this podcast. horny to you. <laughs> Where was I? So the Norse god Uller, Uller. Uller uh, was considered the god of hunting and also skiing. Because that's how old skiing is in Scandinavia. Ooh, okay. They were doing it when the Norse gods were a thing. So it's incredibly fucking difficult. Skiers have to ski around a circle in a relay uh, that's a total of six kilometers per person. So a relay is usually for women, although 
She only had two teammates, so maybe originally it was three. Hmm. Six kilometers per person, and then at the end of each circuit around, they have to hoist, which is three kilometers each, they have to hoist a twenty-two caliber rifle and shoot five targets in a row 50 meters away. Okay. It happens two times. Two? Yeah, like they'll go three kilometers, stop, and the first time they shoot standing up, and then they go the other three kilometers, and then they get to the shooting range again, and they have to do it laying down. <laughs> and then they have to get up and ski. On again. their skis. Yeah. And it's a relay, so then, you know, they tag in the other person, they do that. So, you are allowed to fire three extra shots per round, and if you leave any target standing, you have to take an extra penalty loop of the track before you, you know, go to your regular shit so you a can stop. A loop of shame. Yes, exactly. So it adds time to your total. The fastest time wins. That's biathlon. So, you have to ski as fast as you can. This part is important, like, to this story. You have to ski as fast as you can for roughly 30 seconds, and then you have to stop everything and be incredibly precise with a gun for a hot second. So I'm starting to figure out how this could go horribly wrong. Well, it'll definitely come into play. So people who are good at biathlon, therefore, have incredible control over their breathing and heart rate. Sure. For anyone who's tried to be very an accurate shot, I mean, snipers do it between heartbeats. Mm -hmm. You have to control your breathing. Usually people, like, take a breath, let it out, fire. Like, yeah. that's... Your breathing and your heart rate is a really big thing for shooting. Yep. And to control that after you've just been doing strenuous shit mm -hmm. is really hard. Yeah. My brother, who is an army sniper, oh, yeah. was the one who taught me how to shoot. Oh, that's so, legit. Yes. It's a big fucking deal. It's a big deal. Absolutely. So, quote from Carrie, to this day, I can sit down and I can mentally slow my heart down. It's just part of her training. So Carrie Swenson was one of the first great female biathlon competitors out of the U.S. in 1984. In March of that year, she and her two teammates, Holly Beadle, Beattie, sorry, Holly Beattie, and Julie Noonan, came in third in the first ever Women's World Championship. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, they hadn't even had one before that. Get going. Yeah. And usually, like, the only people who were good at this were in Scandinavia or Russia. That makes sense. Right. So it was crazy that these guys kind of came out of nowhere from yeah. the U.S., took third. Uh, so Carrie also finished fifth in her own individual 10K race, and people were definitely Fuck. looking at her. Yeah. They were looking at her as a definite, like, future contender in the sure. sport. Sure. And then this happened to Carrie. Mm. So three months after her incredible performance... Uh, Carrie went home to Big Sky, Montana to work a summer job because even though she was like a world-class athlete, she was still 22 yeah. and, and you needed money. Yeah. So she worked on a ranch called Lone Mountain Ranch and she would train during any free moment, just, you know, hiking and running, keeping mm -hmm. her body in mm -hmm. peak physical condition. So it's the 15th of July, 1984, and Carrie drives up to a new trail uh, one that she wasn't super familiar with. She'd heard about it and started a jog. About halfway through her run, she came around to bend and saw two men standing on the trail. Uh-oh. I do want to say a lot of my direct quotes from Carrie come absolutely directly from the podcast because she does not have a lot of interviews. So uh, I had to type some of these. I apologize if they're slightly off. If you want to hear them in Carrie's words, you should listen to the criminal episode. Do it. Quote from Carrie. 
as she saw these two men on the trail. I knew there was something different about them. They had on dark clothes, they were camo clothes, and they were dirty. And the instant I saw them, I knew they were not good people. Uh Uh-oh, feeling! She decided to go around them. She said, you know, in the moment, it didn't feel like she had the time to think about, like she was coming up on them and didn't really feel like she had the time to think about turning around, just turning around. But, um, so she tries to just go around them. And, uh, as she tries to, one man steps in front of her and she just sort of asks, hey, is, am I on the right trail? This is the, the right trail, right? Just sort of trying to make a conversation really quick. They stare at her. They Ooh. don't answer. And Ooh. that's when she's like, you know what? I'm just going to go. So she tries again to get around mm-hmm. and she gets past them. And then the older man of the two grabs her by the wrist. Oh, and I hate this so much. <laughs> so it's straight out of a horror movie. <laughs> like he asked her how she would like to live in the mountains with them. Ew. Yeah. I Ew. Ha- yeah. No. I mean, literally, we've definitely watched movies where it's like, yeah, come with me and my creepy hillbilly family. You're going to be my third wife. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm going to take you home. Yeah. Although those are normally set in like the Appalachian Mountains because those yes. people are not all of them. No, definitely not. Like, I mean, that's a very uh, marginalized people. Yes. But some of them are fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but there are fucked up people all around a, the world. Absolutely. Anywhere. That's a very... uh poor area and Mm -hmm. and somewhat lawless it's kind of hard to find Mm -hmm. some of those people Mm -hmm. so yeah well okay so carrie had made an unfortunate choice probably did not just turn around yeah but her uh uh-oh feeling like clearly tingled that was definitely a thing when she saw them immediately she was like fuck no i don't like these guys also i don't think turning around would have not necessarily they could have gone right after her as soon as they saw her yeah she might have been done like so She's not, she's no dummy and she already had a bad feeling. So she immediately starts to scream. Sure. And that's when the older man hit her in the face and knocked her to the ground. He got on top of her and told the younger man to get him a rope. Oh no. Mm-hmm. By the way, they talked. She figured out that they were, they must be father and son. Mm-hmm. So together they tied Carrie up and they told her they were going to take her to where they lived in the mountains. See, that doesn't happen that often. Real. A duo, especially like a related duo. Mm hmm. Yeah. Who just live in the fucking mountains, happen to be on a trail, think, yeah, 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 get the the woman rope. And like, why are they so prepared to do this? What were they doing? Uh, Hunting? Maybe. Literally hunting? Literally hunting for people? Yes. The most dangerous game? Yeah, because, like, uh, we'll go into it. They weren't the best at this. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> right? Yeah, so they were like, we're going to take you to where we live. They told her that she would enjoy living with them. Uh-huh. Quote, I thought they were going to rape and kill me. Yeah, I, that's fair. I can't imagine why yeah. anyone would want to take a woman into the woods and not hurt them. Right. That is very realistic. It, incredibly. My if somebody mind, were taking me into the woods. Yes. I'm going to die. I'm thinking we're going to have a happy ending where no. I'm going to be this little, like... I'm not going to find a cottage. I'm not going to turn into a pretty woman. Yes, like, exactly. No. There's not going to be talking birds on the windowsill when no. they're taking me. I'm not going to be churning butter. Yeah. 
My mind was going so many places, but it was all about how to get away from them. Fair. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of good, like, survival moments, yeah. which I think is great. The older man kept a gun trained on her behind her while they walked, and then the younger man had, like, the end of the rope that was around her wrists, and he was sort of pulling her along. So Carrie, again, doing some stuff we talk about a lot, told them many times, was talking to them as calmly as possible, that people would be looking for her, mm -hmm. that this was not a good idea. She's a little famous. Yes. she Yeah. And she worked... At the ranch, not yeah. too far from there, she was supposed to serve dinner. Yeah. As soon as she didn't show up, people would come looking for her. Mm -hmm. um, so that's smart. Decent tactic. Yep. Some less experienced people or just maybe like less total pieces of shit might have been like, you know what? Not worth it. You're mm -hmm. right. Too much trouble. But these fucking assholes were not deterred. The older man said, if anyone finds you, we'll kill them. Oh, Okay. Yeah, not what you want. No. So they brought Carrie to a small clearing for the night and tied her to a tree. The older man went to hunt a squirrel, so she was left alone for a bit with the younger man. Mm. That guy was so normal, guys. Man, he was just so regular. I feel like you're lying. <laughs> I feel like I am, too. He must have had the most regular upbringing. Sure. Because his father is... Of uh, that guy, mm -hmm. some motherfucker who just lives in the woods and was like, yeah, my son should be doing this with me. And so he, this younger man shows her graphic drawings, his own drawings of naked women. That's just something he draws and then thinks is appropriate to show to people. So he's fine. So as night falls and the older man comes back, she begs them both, just please don't rape me. Mm -hmm. Like, please don't hurt yeah. me. Yeah. And they said they didn't plan on hurting her. They just wanted to keep her for a couple of days. Lies. Oh, uh -huh. sure, 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 sure. Definitely always believe that. I hate these guys. Taylor! I hate them. I'm sorry. I really see now I've bummed it right down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we keep doing this mm -hmm. to each other. Mm -hmm. The true crime one is always tough. I brought it up. And I'm bringing it right back to smacking it. <laughs> Carrie, it turns out, was exactly correct about people coming to look for her, though. Mm -hmm. So her parents and other people at the ranch became worried when she didn't turn up that evening. Sure. And immediately set out to search the area. Yeah. They had a plan. Her mom brought a first aid kit. They thought, you know, maybe she had Wildlife. fallen. Yes. There had been bear seen mm -hmm. in the area. They expected that something had happened. So, according to the podcast, during this initial search, people unknowingly came within one mile of where she had was being held captive. Oh. She could hear them. Oh. I know. It's awful. So, they're shouting her name. Yeah. She could hear vehicles going by, and she even heard a plane fly overhead. And the whole time she's telling them, again, these people are looking for her. Mm -hmm. That's her name they're shouting. They will be here soon. And they told her again, if anyone comes over here, we're just going to shoot them. So that night, no one stumbled upon Carrie yeah. and the two men. They called the search at midnight and set out the next day at dawn. So that night was very long for Carrie, as you mm -hmm. can imagine. There was a full moon, which was like a problem for her later in life. She hated the full moon for a while because it was like, the worst night of her life was like sure under a full moon exactly like full visibility exactly of it. it probably never got super duper dark Aww. the two men sleep and she just lays awake 
Yeah, I wouldn't sleep either. Yeah, right? How could you? Like, your adrenaline can only last so long, but I bet it's pumping for as long as it can. Yeah. So, she's just up against that tree. She waits for morning. Quote, it just got lighter and lighter, and the birds started to chirp, and the squirrels started to squawk. And then, Carrie heard voices and crunching leaves. Two men who had set out in a pair to search were unknowingly coming up on where Carrie and these fucking assholes were. Mm. Just, you know, by coinkydink. Sure. So it was Jim Schwabby, weirdly enough. He was from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. And a man named Alan Goldstein. They were both ranchers in the same place. Uh, Alan worked specifically with the horses. She talks a little bit about him at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, they used to hang out. So, Because horses are great. Right. These two men are like 30 and 36. So now Carrie is still out here. And she's got her wits about her, mm-hmm. even though she's probably incredibly scared and sleep deprived. So she hears these men and she knows what she's been being told this whole time, that anyone who stumbles upon them is dead. So she starts screaming, get away. They have guns. They'll shoot. Mm-hmm. So Jim and Alan hear this along with the voices of two men who start to shout after her and they take off running toward it. I don't know if they ever heard specifically what she was screaming, but I mean, you hear the woman you're looking for (laughs) start screaming, you're just going to run. So they take off running towards the campsite, and as they approach, they hear a gunshot. Ah! So the old man had told his son to shut her up. (gasps) And so the young man walks over to Carrie, quote, the young man had his pistol drawn, and he walked over, and stood right over me and point blank shot me in the chest. Oh. He looked me in the eye and he shot me. It was not an accident. So the way she said this on this podcast, she like sounds super shocked. Mm-hmm. Like her voice, it's the first time she gets emotional. First and only time, like in the whole podcast where she's just like, it's like she literally can't believe that that is a moment that happened to her right. still. Because like, yeah, I can't, I, I can't imagine like, Somebody just looking you in the face and shooting you. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, ugh. Awful. So, at that moment, Jim Schwabby of Wisconsin bursts into the clearing. And Jim told Sports Illustrated later that they all stood there in shock for a second. They all just, all of them, like, yeah. Like, oh, oh shit. Am I good? What's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> so... The younger man looked like he was going to cry. Uh, he kept saying something about how he hadn't meant to hit her. Which is, I think, honestly, why in that quote she says it was not an accident. Because he was like, I didn't mean to shoot her. And she's like, yeah, you fucking did. Yeah. You looked me in my face. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting. But, so a second later, after as Jim is taking all this in, Alan bursts into the clearing after him. And the older man raises his rifle and shoots Alan in the face. Yeah. Oh. He he died instantly. Oh. Alan was 36 years old. Oh. His daughter is on the podcast. Taylor. I'm sorry. She said he was a hero. Taylor. Um, I know. I was like, oh, no. I'm so sad. It's, Fuck. It's really <laughs> awful. Um. I could make it worse because she said like she had been complaining to a friend on the phone that she hadn't received a birthday card from him when her mom was like, 
you need to come downstairs. I have something to tell you. Oh. And that thing was that her dad had died. And then two days later, she received a birthday card. Oh. So, so she's like, yeah, I live with that now. <laughs> like awful. So hard. Sorry. This is not the light. <laughs> Super sorry. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when the light is. I'm so sorry. Taylor. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why you do this? I'm so sorry. I'm drinking. I'm drinking the pain away. Oh, fuck. Mm. Yeah, grab another beer. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I was like, no, I'll be good. I can just have one. (laughs) It'll be okay. I ruined it. I know. I'm almost like, ugh, mid-story harp noise. Mid-story fucking harp noise, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are we actually doing it? Okay, we're back. We genuinely didn't really go anywhere. We just, Emily just, just drank like half a beer. Needed a minute. <laughs> just like a, whew. I apologize profusely and Emily chugged. <laughs> okay. So, Jim, Schwabby of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. seeing Alan shot and Carrie shot, uh, he just took off running for help. He was like, I can't get shot too. Yep. Uh, this is bad. Yep. When he left these two fucking festering pieces of human fucking garbage. Are they human? Are we going to really call them You're right. I don't think they are. Barely. (sighs) You're right. So they looked at each other and they were like, we got to get out of here. So they unchained Carrie. They packed up their camp and they left. They just left her there on the ground. Sure. Bleeding out from the chest. Yep. Probably a pretty, pretty good chance she's not going to live. Wound. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I mean,. Hey, we've got people surviving crazy gunshot wounds. <laughs> hey, there's the connection. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Through the trachea. Missile through trachea. the trachea. Fucking, I can't believe it. All right, quote. All of a sudden, the gravity of my situation started to really hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been shot in the chest. And that's when it started to hurt. Yep. Shock. Yeah, uh-huh. Your adrenaline starts to wear off. It's the only pain when, starts to set in. Yeah, only when your brain really recognizes, yep. like, oh, oh, this happened. Hey, this thing happened. Mm-hmm. We need you to start feeling it now. Yeah. Excruciating pain, she says. I couldn't take deep breaths. Every little movement was excruciating, so yep. I didn't move much. Carrie slowed down her breathing as much as she could, taking slow and shallow breaths. Which is impressive. Yeah. Really, considering like the first response for panic, right, is to not do that. Exactly. I mean, I don't even know how you would do it. Mm. Be like, oh man, wow, I could really die, and then just slow your shit, (sighs) right? She said, kind of like meditation. I would take air in my nose and out my mouth. If I fell asleep, I might have died. So I stayed conscious as much as I could. I don't know how long it was till I heard a helicopter above me. It was long. Mm. so this is carrie's training yeah this is like her training was about controlling her breathing and slowing down her heart rate literally slowing down her heart rate is the thing that saved her life because she would have pumped blood out through her chest and died (laughs) and it slowing down her heart rate also means you need less air because you need less oxygen for your blood your body's trying to do less so right um, the most she did, which I found in a different report, which was not mentioned in the podcast, was she nibbled on like, what? Did, where did I say that? 
she nibbled on a chocolate bar and she drank some lemonade. She's bleeding on the ground and she's just like, yeah, yeah, let me just sure. nom this for a sec. Smart yeah. move again. Yeah. She was really thinking preservation. But other than that, she didn't move for four fucking hours. Jesus. By the way, they didn't find her for four hours. So <laughs> as a really weird 80s news report that they had on the podcast said, a lesser physical specimen could not have survived. Thanks, sports. Yeah, thanks, fucking 80s news specimen. Can we not? All right. So she was taken by helicopter to the hospital where she stabilized. Mm -hmm. She began her recovery. She learned that the two men who had kidnapped and shot her were named Don Nichols, the father, and Dan Nichols. <laughs> uh, really creative. I'm sorry. It's going to be hard to keep them apart in your head. <laughs> Don and Dan Nichols. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Um, I imagine Don, the father, was probably just like, well, I should name him Don. No, I can't do that. Dan. Change a letter. <laughs> Change one letter. Daniel and Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> Donald and Daniel. <laughs> so, later in statements. Don would admit that he took Carrie to be a bride for his then 19-year-old son, Dan. So, you know, seven brides for seven brothers. Mm -hmm. In case anyone was ever wondering if you should, like, not kidnap a woman to be your bride. Ideally. Don't. Yeah, just don't. All right, so them Nichols boys. The worst version of the Duke boys. They stayed on the run for months sure, after this. Sure, There was a massive manhunt for them. They know how to blend in. And the, Montana's huge. It's got plains and mountains. It's and hard to find it's people. It's vast. It's very big. And unpopulated in a lot of areas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing out there. Like Wyoming, there's more cows than people. That's true. So... You want to hear a tidbit that really fucking sucks? This is also oh, not the light. Damn it. Fine. So sorry. Oh, God. This is more about the media, though, being real shitty. Mm. So it's like kind of a fun anger. Um, the, ang the media got really interested in the nickels throughout the course of this manhunt. They were fascinated by these men's outdoor lifestyle. They speculated why they had gone into the wild. As the months stretched on without them being caught, the story started to take on this like weird western outlaw thing oh shit yeah and people loved it oh no barbara walters baba wawa's baba wawa fucking said their lifestyle was almost romantic oh that fucking bitch they were yeah they were dubbed the mountain men they got an almost mythical air about them like men trapped in the wrong century Esquire fucking magazine reported on the case thusly. When some rowdy mountain men tried nope. to snag a when some rowdy mountain men nope. tried to snag a wife, oh. a stubborn sheriff had to set him straight on the law. This is not this is this is not a western, guys. Hey, guys? Hey. Guys? So so you know, all those times, because we don't really, like, talk about it a ton. I think if we were talking about, like, 
serial killers and just doing like a straight true crime podcast. Uh-huh. Let's just talk we about talk murder. a lot more about media's we, portrayal. Yeah. About yeah. the romanticizing yeah. of serial killers they and really do. murderers. Because they really fucking do. Yeah. And literally, like, this is why we started this podcast. Right. Because we like We're fuck like, that. Fuck them. Literally. Fuck that. We're going to talk about the people that they're not talking about. Right. The while victims. they're talking about the heat ho cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. These, ooh, these mountain men, these, these rugged these pioneers. These rugged mountain men that should be on the cover of a fucking romance novel. Ooh, outlaw. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Literally why we started this podcast. That's such a good point. It's like, fuck them. Because, yeah. And people like Carrie. Who, who should be talked about. Should be talked about. This is the way the media uh, talked about her. They oh, called God. her a proper belle of Bozeman, the no. perfect flower of the New West. No. First of all, this is a victim. She's not a flower. She's not a fucking flower of She's the New West. Olympian. She's not a damsel that they stole, you know, the sheriff stole on his horse to ride no. through town. This um, is not prima nocta. No. Also, this woman is a world-class athlete. Yes. You can go fuck yourselves. Talk about how she slowed her fucking heart rate down to stay alive. Literally. Don't, maybe don't call her a specimen while you do it, you fucking assholes. Ah, <laughs> double heart noise. Double fucking heart noise. We've never done that and we can't start now. I'm so mad. So, okay, this is the light. Ah, it kind of goes back and forth. Ah, <laughs> this is the light. Carrie's recovery was a long, difficult road. The bullet had entered below her collarbone and exited just below her shoulder blade. Okay. So kind of, I mean, it was not a downward. The worst spot she could be shot. Definitely not. I mean, like, it didn't rupture her heart. It didn't actually shatter any of those bones. That's amazing. It's amazing. Drink your milk, kids. Yeah, real shit. So it did leave her with a collapsed lung. Ouch. And a ton of scar tissue. Sure. She spent months resting and in rehabilitation, but she kept the idea of one day being able to race a biathlon again. And in her mind, she was, she was constantly pushing herself to do a little bit more every day. Quote, getting out of bed and going to the bathroom by myself was the first thing. Sure. So that was like her first goal. And then she went on walks around her house. Mm-hmm. And then she and her mom would go to the driveway and back. And then eventually she and her mom would start walking outside on some trails um, until she couldn't anymore, until like literally her whole fucking body hurt, and then they would go back. Yep. Um, months into this, she decided to try jogging again for the first time. So she like runs ahead of her mom a little ways, and her mother was worried about her. Sure. As she was doing this, but she said, "Mom, if I don't push, if I just sit back and don't do anything, I'll never get better." Yep. So Carrie's fucking badass. I just like I'm wondering how she would handle if she had any like PTSD from the gunshot of yeah doing what she wants to do with having to not only fire a weapon but be around yeah weapons being she, fired you know she specifically didn't mention that she has issues she had issues for a really long time with being alone sure um that's yes yeah uh she really didn't want to be alone she had issues with being in the woods by herself specifically. Obviously yep. she had issues with the full moon. She never mentions the gun and maybe it's because she already had all the positive connotations with yeah. the gun. Yeah. Like it could, it didn't ruin it for her necessarily. Yeah. So the fall of that same year, remember she was shot in July. Mm-hmm. So in the fall of that same year, Carrie went back to biathlon training camp. Jesus. She got 
good enough to go there that fast. Fuck. So she was still in near constant pain. Again, being alone was hard for her. She needed like a buddy around her at all times, but she wanted to compete. So, and then back and forth a little bit. Here's back to them old Nichols boys. Oh God. After months on the run, Don and Dan Nichols were finally captured in December of 1984. So that winter, they were tried separately. Good. Dan, the son, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for his part in the kidnapping. Not enough. It's not enough. He shot her. He was also 19 years old. I think he probably used a defense that he did not intend to shoot her. He's probably white. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's super duper white. Yeah. I mean, everyone in this story is. But the nice thing is, though, her, well, for a second here, his father, Don, was sentenced to 85 years. Fuck you, Don. Split it in half. 40-40. Yeah, right? Give them both a second. Don actually raised... They could prove he raised his gun maliciously to kill a man. Yeah. Whereas who knows what the fuck Dan could have said. Like, my dad put me up to all this. I was brainwashed my whole life. Who knows what his defense lawyer said. I got a a torny. I can't talk anymore. (laughs) I Uh, couldn't talk then and I can't talk now. (laughs) You're right, though. He probably had a decent attorney. So. Ugh. In early 1986, so One, two, more than a year few. later, yep. Um, Carrie ran her next biathlon since she her, the next one she'd done since she was kidnapped, and she placed third overall. Mm. Yeah, this was this was also like it was like in Norway. It was another world competition. She placed third. Um, so Carrie felt even then that this would probably be her last race. It might not be possible for her to continue. The strenuousness of it, really, it was really painful. Sure. She kind of lost her edge mm-hmm. um, in the competition just because she was still fighting those injuries. Quote, during the medal ceremony, the woman who finished right above me pulled me up onto the podium with her so that we could share it together. To be able to have come from where I was, I mean, it was probably the best race of my life. So, yeah, after that, oh. Carrie retired. Good. Yeah, but like, she did it. There's only so much you can put your body through. Yeah, but she did it again. Yeah. Like, she got there again, yeah. and that's really... And she I was think, able to say she did it. Exactly. That was important to her, I'm sure. So, she retired officially uh, in the spring of 1986, and then she returned to Montana, and she became a veterinarian. Oh. I know. That's sweet. So, women's biathlon, just aside, doesn't wouldn't become an Olympic sport until 1992. Oh. Like, that's how much people did not give a shit. Um, Carrie and most of the people she raced with, like, the first amazing women in this sport, like, never... They were already moved on by the time this happened, yeah. so they yeah. never got to compete in the Olympics. <sighs> there are Olympians in my heart, though. Exactly. Especially you, Carrie. hmm Okay, this sucks. Oh, I thought we were done! I'm sorry. Dan Nichols, we're so close. Dan Nichols was released, this is the son, in 1991. He served less than half his sentence. 1986 is when, 85, I actually think, was when he was actually sentenced. I guess it was more than half his sentence, by a little tiny bit. He ran and then in- he got hit by a bus. Oh, I wish, dude. I mean, he did run into trouble with the law. He had a lot of drug I'm issues. I'm shocked. So he, he served a lot more time in prison after that. Good. This also sucks. Damn it. Don, his murdering son of a bitch father, 
was brought up for parole for the fourth time in 2017 after 32 years in prison, and he got it. So he's out. Carrie, I do like this. Do this to me. I really do like this, though, because Carrie wrote a letter to the parole board that time, and she wanted to make sure at least that this fucking mountain man bullshit status that they had achieved could be proven, like, false. This is, knowing what she knew about them from all the news reports and everything, and, you know, what she learned about them being captured by them, this is what she wrote. The Nichols lived in the mountains part-time because they couldn't survive there. At least not without poaching, breaking into cabins and stealing supplies, leaving the mountains for months at a time and purchasing modern equipment. Ultimately, they were caught without a fight because they were cold, hungry, and tired of living in the mountains. These are not mountain men. (laughs) Oh, shit. He's like, bitch. (laughs) So Carrie has made an incredible recovery. She's still really super active. Like, you know, those people who like are athletes. They just never really stop. Being I ran that 21 way. miles today. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck. So she's like that. <laughs> she still occasionally feels like scar tissue pulling. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, in the podcast, there were some days she was like incredibly amazed at her own body and what it can still do. Yeah. But also there are days when things hurt. Yes. And she's reminded. She's now incredibly cautious when hiking in the woods. Yep. They said she, you know, she counts the number of cars that are at the trailhead. She knows how many people she has met already on the trail. Um, she looks for shoe prints in the mud and what direction they're coming from. Will she meet more people up ahead? Are they already past her? Those are constant thoughts. She said it took her a long time to feel comfortable in the woods, to be okay with being alone and to be okay with like just the sight of the full moon. But now she's a successful veterinarian and she spent a long time not speaking to the press. But as I mentioned, she like just did that ESPN 30 for 30 podcast. So she finally got to tell her own story in her own words, which is really cool. And I hope she's doing good. So that's the really depressing, but also like uplifting, I hope a little bit, story of Carrie Swenson. I just burped. You just burped. I just burped. Do you feel at least 20% uplifted? No. Do you want to see what uh, Don Nichols looks like? Do he look like an asshole? He looks scary as fuck. He's eighty. Ew. He's eighty-six years old now. Ew. He's gross. real gross. I can't gross. even stand to look at him. His son is also just like they suck. They if suck I to look at. They suck to read saw about. Saw him at a grocery store. I'd walk the other way. <laughs> yeah, that is the guy. You would look at him and be like, no. And see, like my first thing when I look at somebody like that, it's like no hair. Mm-hmm. Like everything is shaved, including like facial hair, except for like a little stubble. He basically looks like a penis. <laughs> He looks like a penis, but also kind of like a skinhead. Yes. And like, you know, with Trump America. Uh Uh-huh. You just. I just turn around and I walk the other way when I see people like that. You're fucking clear. You never know. Yeah. Some people are just bald. We get it. But also. eh. I'm just going to be careful. Grow a beard or something. You know, wear a hat. If you imagine, though, that like this is what Dan Nichols looks like now is what his father looked like then. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd see him and be like, no, I'm, I, 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 gotta go. I don't like this at I all. I don't like this. Uh-huh. Why are you in the woods? Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. Wow. I'm sad now, but. Should no. we do, like, the thing that, like, other podcasts do? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it? 
Well, I mean, we oh. never do. We don't care what other podcasts do, but do tell. We absolutely care what other podcasts do. You're right. We Taylor, do. don't fucking lie. You're right. I know I'm a liar. <laughs> Go on. What is Should it? Should we do like a happy thing? Oh, like a fucking hooray. Like what's but... a happy thing? <sighs> um, I don't know. And that's the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 30 seconds of silence and then the podcast ends um you might do a cool audition thing i might be doing a cool audition thing um for Voxus eight which is a classical vocal acapella group if you look it up on youtube v-o-c-e-s and then the number eight dope they have some really great pieces they're doing every year they do handles messiah Fuck yeah. So they're doing that like December 27th live. They're live streaming it. That's cool. I bet that'll be amazing. So I have to get an audition together in the next two days. <laughs> and you then got this. if I somehow, I'm not expecting to at all because this is all kind of off the cuff. <laughs> if I pass this round, I have to go out to either Virginia or Texas to do an in person audition. Oh, damn. Okay. Cool, but it's cool to put yourself out there like that, and like you never know what might happen. Yeah, I literally like put it on Facebook. Like, I don't know, maybe. And And then like fifteen fucking people, including your grandma. Yeah, (laughs) you know, Mima's always there for you in your heart. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and Cat's dad. Fuck yes, there you go. So you got multiple generations of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, This isn't me, but Jake just auditioned for a show at LCT for his first time, and I'm proud of him. That's cool. Um, Glad he did it. Yeah, me too. He said he had a good time. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say that my thing is that Jake did that thing. It's not mine, but it's close enough. It's good. Yeah, I'm in my third week at my new job. It's fine. Woo. I don't really. That's not. It's like fine. <laughs> okay. Guess, um, sorry about that bummer. Uh, maybe think a bit, a little bit more about um, hard Jacka. <laughs> if you get sad. Yeah. And also be a lot like him because he sounds right as fuck. Not, not Captain America. Not, not, not Captain America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You should definitely be a lot like Harry Swenson. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, especially if you're out jogging in the woods, just God don't, damn it. just don't forget, like your can of water is the thing. You know that on the podcast, they can't see your face. I know. <laughs> But the scowl was worth it. (laughs) It was very scowly. (laughs) 